What's up, everyone? It's Ray Garvin, host of the Destination Debbie podcast. If you're waiting until after the NFL season to start your college scouting process, you're already behind the eight ball. There are hundreds of college football games on each and every Saturday, far too many to keep up with along with following your favorite NFL teams. But don't worry, this show is designed for not only you hardcore Debbie leaguers, but those of you who want to learn about the next group of potential NFL stars and get a leg up in your traditional dynasty leagues. We don't just talk about the big name college football guys. We hit on the small school value prospects who also have a shot to make it at the next level. If you want to position your dynasty team for short and long-term success, make sure you check out the DDP on DLF and all the other amazing shows DLF has to offer. Football.com and the DLF family of podcasts. That's James the Brain. Guys, I am excited. Brian just told me that every time he cracks open a beer for his intro, he's donating $500 to the Help James Relocate to a Warmer State Fund. That's the shepherd, Brian Har. James is drunk. Ching. Ching. Money, money. So I had nicknamed him the Shepherd just to just to expand on the whole Shep thing, but uh, it took on a whole new meaning, and uh, I did not see that that was not planned. That was this totally off the hip. Awesome, Brian! You're helping me take <laughs> care of my chicken. <laughs> You're the, the Shepherd leading the flock of, of brains to uh, uh, to warmer climates. I am John. If you don't know, now you know, Hogan. This is a Super Flex Super Show. Previously on the Super Flex Super Show, Brian was price checking everything. James was jealous of the slumber party at the Jerry Jones estate. And I developed an infatuation for both Florida man and Florida woman. So if you missed that episode, make sure you check it out. We started our Super Six with three of our top six, top six lists, uh, with our favorite WTF moments. This week, we're going to we're gonna finish that off. Last week was confusing. This week is anything but. Get ready for definitive statements, hyperbole and platitudes, aggressive op- opinions, and uh, all of it topped off with the bold declaration of that's effing right. So where last week we were... We were left scratching our heads. This week, we're left pounding the table. Let's jump into it here, boys. Right into our that's effing right top six, top six. Well, top three, top six. And start with Brian Har, uh, right where we left off last week. So number one on your list, Brian Har, uh, for that's effing right. Yeah, for me, um, the number one on my list is Matt Rule being hired as a head coach uh, for the Carolina Panthers. <clears throat> um, I really, really like this hire uh, for for the Panthers organization. You know, Matt Rule is a guy who, everywhere he's been as a head coach, he's had to completely change the culture. So he goes to Temple, and I think his first year he wins one game, maybe two. Uh, turns that team entirely around in two years. Um, I think they get their first bowl win in who knows how long. Um, then he goes to Baylor, you know, Baylor coming off 
some some tough stuff with with Art Bryles and that situation. Um, he goes in there, <clears throat> changes the culture uh, in in a very short window, a couple years. Uh, they go again from being bottom of the league, not competing whatsoever, to almost winning the the Big Twelve Conference this year, um, and and putting up a hell of a performance um, across this season. So, uh, you know, if they'd beaten Oklahoma and won that Big Twelve, they they're probably the fourth team in in the college football playoffs. So, or at least they have a pretty darn nice argument. So. Um, I just really like Matt Rule. I think he's I think he's a guy that can come in there um, and and build a culture of winning football. Uh, so I had this down previously, but I also now can add to it because I think yesterday we found out that he also hired Joe Brady, the uh, the passing game coordinator out of LSU, um, thirty years old. He's going to be the offensive coordinator there, uh, and I really like that hire as well. That kid is a is a rising star among the coaching ranks um, and did some really nice things with Joe Burrow um, and, and kind of turned his career around or, or helped uh, at least. So I'm really looking forward to watching um, what happens in Carolina here with Matt Rule and Joe Brady. It'll be interesting to see what they do with Cam Newton. I know Rule in his press conference said that one of the first things he did was reach out Um you know, I, I don't know. I don't know if if he's interested in. I mean, of course, you reach out to Cam Newton, uh, but do they do something different there? Do they try to make a splash in the draft and and go get their quarterback of the future? Um, you know, we'll, we'll have to watch that stuff. But this is very interesting to me. Um, it's definitely something that I'll be watching here. Uh, you know, to see what they do from here on on into the the off season and then the season. Um, and then, you know, and, and then moving forward. So this is definitely one, though, that I, I'm behind. I can get behind. Um, and I'm really excited to see what they do. No, I, I real quick with Matt Rule. I, I, I OK, so so Matt Rule is 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 a hot name. And I, I like there's a few things I like about it. The first thing I like is for this fan base to re-energize after having Ron Rivera for as long as you did. Um, I think a fresh name, somebody uh, new that, you know, can you can kind of sell the fan base on something new, something dynamic, something from the college game um, that can work. And I think I think in that regard, this is a, a fun hire. I just I'm always a little skeptical about first time head coaches coming in to the NFL. Uh, you know, this is a, the transition isn't very easy. Um, sometimes it can be difficult. You never know whether or not a guy's system is going to translate well to the NFL level and then bringing in another college, uh, college guy, you know, like, uh, like Joe Brady, who, like you said, Brian, the LSU passing game coordinator coming up and now he's going to be a coordinator, uh, under Mark rule. It's just, sometimes I, I just want to caution everyone because everything I see on Twitter, everything I hear is this going to be fantastic for every single offensive player on the Carolina Panthers. Um, yeah, it's not going to affect Christian McCaffrey. He's going to be great. Still great for DJ Moore. Fantastic for Curtis Samuel. Great for whatever quarterbacks there. It's like, well, let's, let's slow our roll a little bit here, especially because this is going to be the first year that these guys are going to have to learn a new playbook, especially, you know, if you're Cam Newton for a long, long time. So I, I, I don't know. Let's let's give it a little bit here. I I would I'm keeping my expectations down a little bit early, uh, but I do I do like the hire. I don't hate it. I just again I I think I'm going to slow my roll a little bit on trying to buy every Carolina Panther offensive player available. 
Yeah, I, and 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 I think that I, so. I, I guess for me, this is this. I agree, James. I agree from a fantasy perspective. I'm I'm not sure what to expect from a fantasy perspective. What does this mean? I mean, I, I don't I don't think I'm necessarily worried about Christian McCaffrey. I mean, he's going to get his. He's the volume's going to be there, and it's you know if Cam goes back in at quarterback. Or if it's somebody that we don't have yet, and it you know a rookie or a free agent, or I mean they're going to use him. I would imagine similarly to what they have used him. I mean he's an unbelievable asset to have um, in an offense. You know, I think the receivers. I, I mean a lot of people are excited about DJ Moore. I am too. Um, you know, and then Curtis Samuel on the other side. I think there we're going to just have to see. I mean, we'll we'll have to see what happens with the quarterback position before we can really, you know, uh, feel confident about what we think those guys are going to do. I think what I'm saying is I like this for the Panthers organization as far as a culture change. You know, they, they haven't won a lot of games since that Super Bowl season, and I think it's – I think Matt Rule's a guy that can come in there and and – potentially build a a pro program that is going to win consistently not just a one-off where they have a super bowl season and then the next year they miss the playoffs and i know that that happens in the nfl a lot so um but but he wants you know i I think he's the type of guy you're, you're right it's a tall order for sure coming from the college ranks i just have liked what i've seen i mean he again temple and baylor are the two schools that he turned around you know I mean, Temple mm-hmm. to me is even more impressive than Baylor because Baylor, at least you have Texas, right? I mean, the, the crop of talent in Texas to recruit is, is just insane. Um, you know, but but Temple, I mean, if you can win at Temple, that's kind of one of those like those jobs. If you can win at Temple and make that program relevant, you know what you're doing, at least to an extent. So it certainly will be something to watch. He may not succeed. You know, uh, some we see unbelievable college coaches. Nick Saban didn't cut it in the National Football League, right? Greatest college coach there's ever been. <laughs> didn't cut it in it, arguably. You're welcome. Um, you know, couldn't cut it couldn't cut it in the NFL. So, you know, I I I think and and yes, he was a, he was a, an NFL coach previously, but not a head coach is what I'm saying. So, I mean, I, I just mm-hmm. I think It'll be interesting to see, um, but this as a Panthers fan would excite me for sure. Yeah, yeah, and for the record, I don't think he won't succeed. I, I, I think there's a good chance he will. Um, so I don't, I don't want it to come off as if I'm, you know, foo fooing the hire for any reason. I'm not. I just think that everything I have seen from a fantasy perspective on Twitter and everything I've heard from people that I respect seems like they all want to buy all the the Panther offensive weapons. And I'm just personally cautioning people and saying, Hey, maybe, maybe year one isn't the year to do that. Maybe year two in the system would be more reasonable. Let's see what we got, you know, first uh, this year. So uh, that's, that's all my take is really on it. Um, it very well could end up being a good hire though. And you're right. I mean, being able to turn around a, a, an org, a, a, you know, a college like temple, that has struggled for years um, it says a lot. And then going to Baylor after the mess that was left there 
and being able to, you know, to turn that program around, you know, that speaks volumes. So I think he's been able to do that and that, you know, that speaks well for him. And I think that ultimately is a lot of the reasons why he was a good fit for this job. But um, again, it will be interesting to kind of see how that system works. Um, what, what we're going to see from that team. There's a lot of question marks surrounding that team, like you said, and it starts at quarterback. Uh, John, do you have any thoughts on this hire? Uh, I mean, I think that overall, I, I agree with you. I mean, I, I you know, kind of, to me, best case scenario is Cliff Kingsbury. And, you know, that that, wow. that, that that's what you get, um, it, at least in year one. I mean, it it's okay. Okay. long term, long term, I absolutely, I mean, I still believe in Cliff Kingsbury long term. I think that that's going to end up being a, a very good hire for the Arizona Cardinals. And, you know, not just for NFL purposes, but for fantasy football purposes, probably even more so than for the NFL. Uh, it, it It's hard to win in the NFL with just pure offense, but um, it, it makes it fun to watch and it makes the, the fantasy scoring, uh, you know, very generous for us. So um, it, and I just don't think that we got a whole lot out of the Arizona Cardinals. Definitely not what the hype had kind of indicated in year one. And I, I guess that that would, I, I would just have that same word of caution is just that, you know, we'll, we'll probably, we're, we're probably going to overhype this a little bit here in year one. And it's going to take a little bit of time. Uh, to implement his system and, and by, but by year two, that's kind of when, you know, it, by then it's going to be a kind of a post hype type of thing. And that's when uh, this is really going to take off for fantasy purposes. But I, I, I think he could be fine for year one. Um, I just don't think he's going to, he's, you know, he's going to meet the expectations that are going to be put on him. Fair enough. Fair enough. Okay. So Brian, um, I think for your number two, you're going to be shoving some Pittsburgh rhetoric down my throat, aren't you? <laughs> you betcha. You betcha. <laughs> um, yeah, so my number two on the, that's effing right list here is uh, TJ Watt. Um, TJ Watt should be, definitely should be considered for Defensive Player of the Year. I don't know that he's going to win it, um, but he definitely should be in the conversation. Unbelievable season this year. Um 14 and a half sacks, uh, eight forced fumbles, four picks. So 12 turnovers. I get four fumble recoveries too. So um, it just the, the guy, I mean, if you, if you watched Steeler games this year and James, I know you watched two of them. Um, I'm not sure how many other ones you watched. I know you hate us. So, um, <laughs> uh, but anyways, no, the, the, I mean, the, if you watch the games, I mean, this Steelers defense was, very good this year. Very good. The only reason that they won eight games <laughs> was this defense. Um, and there were stars all over the field on this defense. They had three all pro first team all pros on the defense. Cam Hayward, uh, Minka Fitzpatrick, and then TJ Watt. And Watt was the he was, uh, you know, so there's there's two other all pros on the field. And a lot of guys had had career years. So Bud Dupree had a career year coming off the edge. Um, the corners were very, very good. Strongest secondary Pittsburgh's had in a long time. Um, you know, with Joe Hayden, Steven Nelson. But TJ Watt was the guy that every single game I found myself going, what? 
like, oh my gosh, like this dude just is everywhere. He was everywhere. Every time there was a big play, he had something to do with it or most a lot of big play. I mean, he just made play after play after play. He was a turnover machine, turnover, turn, turnover causing machine. Um, and I just, I, you know, yes, I'm biased as a Steelers fan. There's no doubt about it. But TJ Watt is just absolutely a monster. And I'm hoping that because he went to Wisconsin, maybe you won't hate this as bad as you would if it would have been another Pittsburgh Steeler that I was talking about here. <laughs> well, I, I like to think of myself as completely unbiased. So <laughs> that that being said, I will say TJ Watt definitely had a fantastic year and should be in the conversation for defensive player of the year. He he is a force. Um, and if your last name is Watt, you're you're going to be a force in, in the league and you're playing in the NFL because it's just I mean, all three of them are are uh, are fantastic at what they do. Um, but no, TJ Watt really came on this year and that defense, you're right. They, they were good. Um, and it shows, you know, when, when you have a good defense, um, what it can do for you, because when you're on your third string quarterback, uh, for a majority of the year, um, and you still win eight games, you know, uh, in, in a pretty competitive division and a tough schedule that Pittsburgh had, you know, that it just goes to show, uh, what that can do. But yeah, TJ Watt definitely, uh, should be considered the rest of that defense really helped him out. And, uh, and I will agree with you there that he definitely belongs in the conversation. What do you think, John? Yeah, uh, I definitely agree. I mean, I, I think that you can put the the numbers up against absolutely anyone. The problem is there's a, a newer, younger dynasty um, with the last name Bosa that's probably going to get rubber stamped here. But um, yeah, TJ Y absolutely belongs in that conversation. I don't even know who else who else uh, even uh, gets consideration for you guys. Um, I mean, I, I think from a fan, per, are, are you talking about like, you're not talking about just Steelers. You're talking about who else, who else across the league? Yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, who, I, I definitely, gets... I mean, I definitely think Nick Bosa, um, Nick Bosa, probably I, he's got to be the favorite to win it. I would think. And like I said, I don't, I don't disagree with you that TJ Watt, you know, he, he could easily beat out Nick Bosa for this, but just the impact that Nick Bosa had on a, uh, you know, a, a team that got the number one seed and is in the conference championship like that. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think I, all of that stuff combined, I think is going to ultimately give him, you know, right or wrong. I think he's probably going to win. I, I think Stefan Gilmore has got to be considered. He's got to be in the conversation, in my opinion. Um, <laughs> How many times can he win it? <laughs> well, I, I mean, the guy just, I mean, he just erased top three. I, the New England defense was the top defense in the league for how oh, long? I mean, we're, yeah, we're talking, we're, we're talking defensive player. Okay. I was seeing like, oh, just, I was thinking just rookies. Oh, yeah. No, I, I'm, I'm talking overall defensive player of the year. And I think that, which, which Brian is too. So, yeah, that's, yeah. that's on me. I was, yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I think, uh, yeah, but no, you're right with rookie, uh, but that Bosa thing that, that's, that's right there. But no, I, um, I, I think Stephon Gilmore has got to be in the consider in in the the uh, the conversation, just because that New England defense was so good and he was the star player. I mean, he erased number one receivers. Uh, you know, early in the year, you know, people just didn't even throw at them sometimes because he was on the field. It was just insane. So, um, I think we've you know he's got to be in the conversation too, um, and even Brian, make up Fitzpatrick. This you know once he became a Steeler. 
was fantastic. He had some very memorable moments people are going to remember too. So um, there might be two Steelers that are in the conversation, in my opinion. Yeah. TJ Watt, by the way, is not even a rookie. I just don't even belong in an IDP conversation. <laughs> well, I typically don't either. I don't play. I don't play a lot. This was this was more just one of those. Again, when I when I saw <clears throat> I saw some people campaigning for you know different different awards, uh, postseason awards, um, and and this was one for me that that really jumped out, and I think was. You know, um, I, I just Watt just had an an incredible season. He just he really did. He was a huge impact player. I, I do agree, James. I think Gilmore absolutely is is one of the top contenders for it as well, and and is probably more likely to to win it um, because of the impact that he had on again a, a, a contending team, a team that was you know. Um, that had an unfortunate run in with the Tennessee Titans, but realistically was, you know, one of the top teams in the AFC all year. Um, and, and that defense, like you said, was just absolutely crazy good. Um, you know, especially for the first half of the season, um, and, and still pretty good the rest of the way too. So yeah, I, I, I don't have any qualms with that. I would be, um, you know, I, I wouldn't, that one wouldn't make me, um, upset by any means i mean he he would deserve it if he got it uh gilmore um i'm hoping watt gets it i I hope he gets recognized i hope he's at least in the conversation um you know by by the by the quote unquote experts um but uh but yeah so that that was that was number two um and then so number three i think james we're gonna have fun with this one too um so Number three on my list here with the app, that's effing right. Uh, it just says on the paper here, Brady to the Raiders. Oh, I, I... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's, there's a lot there. <laughs> that's a, that's a tough one. A lot of things uh, that aren't likely to happen would have to happen. I mean, I, yeah. like, I, I gotta think that, that Derek Carr is, is back with the Raiders, but. It'd be an interesting one. Brady in Vegas? I don't know. Brady in Vegas with Gruden? Yes. Sign me up. That would be entertaining as hell. The only good thing is at least I'll be able to see him live probably a couple times next year because I'll, I'll probably be back, be down there at least a few times, and hopefully they'll be you know at home a couple times. So um, that would be the only good thing about this. Other than that, it's total trash. Tom Brady belongs to he, he's a patriot. He should be a patriot until he wants to retire. And that's that's the way I see it. I, I, I can't even envision Tom Brady in the Oakland Raider colors, you know, like, oh, man, I just I, it hurts my brain to even try to imagine such a terrible thing. Um, you know, Tom Brady trying to throw it to uh, Tyrell Williams. And uh, well, at least he would have a good tight end, which. Um, he hasn't had since Gronk retired, so that would be something good for him. You know, Waller, his value would go um, skyrocketing, I think. But uh, yeah, no, this just doesn't even bear thought. We shouldn't even think about this, Brian. This is this is like taking Saquon Barkley off the Giants and putting him on a CFL team. I mean, that's basically what this amounts to. And I don't think you would like to think about that. OK, so let's let's just move on. I don't want to move on though. I want to see this. This this would be uh, must see TV. Are you kidding me? To open a new stadium and a new fran I mean the franchise moves to Vegas. Vegas. 
right? Glitz and glam and Tom Brady smiles and his teeth are shiny and all that stuff. It's awesome. And the <laughs> hair is all slicked and he's got Giselle and, and then Gruden's like, get to work. I'd love that shit. <laughs> That'd be amazing. I would love, I would absolutely love it. I think it would be hysterical and, and, and must see TV. I, I absolutely don't think it will happen, <laughs> but, but it, I, to me, this would be just outstanding. My problem with it is I've already seen Gruden in a Super Bowl. I don't need to see it again, you know? You've seen Tom and, Brady in 80 of them. Well, yeah, but I the it, the inevitable would be if Brady went there, he Gruden would be in another one because Brady is he just he's in them all the time, well, right? You've seen so, Belichick in them too. I I would Let think, him go somewhere else. Okay, fine. Can we agree? Let him go to LA with the Chargers. And take them in because their head coach, Anthony Lynn, has never been to a Super Bowl. There you go. <laughs> no, he can buy tickets. I don't want to see that Chargers team <sighs> Super Bowl. Let's, I, let's have him come to Cleveland. All right. Let's let's let our fan base for the Cleveland Browns win a Super Bowl. And then we can we can all like pass away happy at that point because we, we saw that. Can, can we just can you just give us that much, Brian? No. I, I can't. I'm That's sorry. It. I'm just. I'm going to swing a mini helmet at you. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not happy. <laughs> All right, fine. I'll move on for, for you, James. Just for oh, you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so we're going to get into your your that's effing right takes a little, and I'm not going to steal your your entire thunder here. Um, but uh, I am going to say uh, that with all due respect to Jack Doyle, that'll come later. Um, he's not going to be a tight end one. Noah Fant and TJ Hawkinson, however, will both be tight end ones next season, and it would not surprise me at all if they were in the top half of tight end ones. These dudes are studs. And yes, it takes tight ends time to figure things out in the National Football League. Um, I think we saw flashes from both of these guys this year. Uh, Hawk, it was a little short-lived. Uh, with the injuries with Matthew Stafford then going down uh, as well. You know, just just he, the he needs to be healthy. He needs to play a full season. Um, Fant, I think we saw it, you know, several times throughout the year, especially <clears throat> once Drew Locke took that job um, and kind of ran. Um, Fan had a few big games. And, John, I know you're you're a Denver guy, so – um, I'll be interested to hear what you you think on on Noah Fant, but um, I love both of these guys. I think they have the look and and talent to be you know top six tight ends in the league, and probably as soon as next year, uh, depending on how some things shake out with a few of these other guys that are going to be free agents. Um, Austin Hooper, we don't know where he's going to be. Um, you know what's going to happen to Zach Ertz in Philly. Um, you know, so there's some question marks up ahead. Um, does Darren Waller regress? Uh, you know, I, I don't know. It, it, it's going to be interesting to watch the tight end position. Um, but I think both of these guys have a real good shot at jumping into that conversation as top six, seven tight ends. Yeah, like you said, Hawkinson just needs to to stay healthy. That's the, that's the only thing stopping this one from happening. And and But I, I, I am a little concerned about that. I have to be honest. I mean, we see this a lot where these tight ends – you know, they, they kind of start start down this path of, you know, fairly frequent injuries. And, I mean, for it, it's just a brutal position. 
it, it's uh it's very underrated as far as the the brutality um on the tight ends between you know blocking in line and and running routes and and you know they get cut down at the at the knees quite a bit because that's the only way to tackle some of these guys they're just you know they're they're just so big like the only you can't just line them up you have to actually you know you have to actually chop their legs out and so they end up getting injured kind of a lot and once it starts happening it feels like you know it just starts happening more and more so uh i I, i'm a little nervous about hawkinson i've been fully on board with the with fant you know going back to last year um you know once he was drafted to denver and you know we knew the system and everything i was uh i was pretty high on noah fant um i still will be but uh i i want to get there with hawkinson the the talent is definitely there the upside is definitely there it's just injuries make me a little nervous yeah, so your your initial thing here, Brian, was that Noah Fant and TJ Hawkinson will be tight end ones. So so they're going to be top twelve tight ends, and I I I have no no issue with that. I think both those guys take step forwards, uh, take some steps forward, and they can be a tight end one. But as far as Jack Doyle goes, man, I think all three of these guys could be tight end ones. I mean, it's not too difficult to top to to crack the top twelve for tight ends when you think of, you know, the top echelon of guys, which, I mean, coming into the year, we had, you know, Kelsey, Kittle, Ertz, in whatever order. You got Waller now. Um, and then, I mean, there's just some names. There's some guys that have, have been up there, you know, like Austin Hooper, but there's some uncertainty there. Hunter Henry, another guy who is injury prone and, you know, is looking at free agency. I don't think it's all that unheard of or all that uh, impossible for, either uh, for all these three guys to end up being top 12 tight ends. Like John said, TJ Hawkinson does need to stay healthy and, and Noah fans showed flashes. I think there was some concentration laps that you saw. Sometimes his hands didn't um, w- weren't fantastic. And I think that'll get better with, you know, repetition once, once you don't have to think as much um, in the system and, you know, everything comes a little bit more natural. That's going to be good for Noah Fant. Um, the only the only question I have with Noah Fant is it seems like the Broncos are now switching up their their entire offensive coaching st- you know staff. And so I want to see, you know, if this is going to be a total new playbook, how long it kind of takes him to adjust and and that sort of thing. And same thing with Drew Locke, because that'll affect Fant as well. But um I I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that all three of these guys are top t- are tight end ones, top twelve tight ends by the end of the year. I'm definitely not worried about fan, even with, even with Pat Shermer. Uh, it, uh, I, he's always been I, like the guys that you have to worry about. It's, it's kind of the, the secondary, the guys a little bit farther down the depth chart, you know, Jeff Hireman, Jake, Butt, Troy Fumagalli, like those are the guys who are just all of a sudden pretty much going to be droppable. Um, but Pat Shermer, he, he certainly uses the tight end position. And, uh, he, he just focuses on the one, you know, whether it was Evan Ingram or, uh, man, they had two other guys. Um, the, the giants had two guys and it was, it was red Ellison was, yeah. And then who was the guy at the end of the season? Um, uh, I cannot remember his, 
his name now. That's going to drive me nuts. And it's driving listeners nuts right now listening to this. But <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, they they had that third tight end who who was excellent while Ingram and uh, and Ellison were both out. And so, it, you know, he still uses that tight end. It's just he he really only uses one at a time. Um, I, I yeah, I I'm not I I still think that all the potential is there for Noah Fant. Are are you concerned at all about having to learn a new playbook, though? By the way, it was uh, Caden Smith. I just there you Caden go, Smith. Caden Smith. Thank you. Good God, yeah. I'm going to be able to sleep. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, no, nah, not really. Um, not for I. I don't know. It's it's. I guess it is a little bit of a setback um, for a, a second year tight end to have to learn a a new playbook. Um, I, I mean, I think that, that the floor is probably what he did as a rookie. Um, but it, and you know, you and I kind of had this conversation about Drew Locke and Daniel Jones kind of for the exact same reason. The fact that they're rookies or they're going to be second year vets here who have to learn whole new playbooks. So, um, it, uh, it, it could be a little bit of a setback for them. I, I feel like it affects them more then it affects the tight ends, but, uh, but we'll see. I, I, I'm, I'm still going to be fairly high on, on definitely no offense, definitely, definitely Cortland Sutton and that offense. And then whatever rookie wide receiver they bring in. Um, I might cool a little bit on drew lock, but I mean, the only way that this works for, you know, Cortland Sutton to be a, a wide receiver one and no offense for, to be a tight end one. I mean, it probably means drew lock is, you know, a, a pretty high-end quarterback, too, at the least, I would think. Yeah, that that makes sense to me, man. Um, I, I, it's good to hear that coming from someone who knows the Broncos uh, well. It's good to hear that uh, you're so high in Cortland Sutton and Noah Fant. I, uh, I have a lot of shares of those guys in fantasy, so that's, that's good to hear. Put me at ease a little bit. Yeah, that's going to be a stack that I'm going to be pretty high on this entire off season, I think. Um, but yeah, I, I don't want to hijack this and turn it too much into, into Broncos hour, but um, yeah, I, I just, I really like the no fan call. I like the TJ Hawkinson call. It's just, uh, I, I just, I, I don't know. I, I, I'm just worried about the path we're headed down with the injuries, but we'll see. What about, what about Doyle, John? Is, does Doyle finish as a tight end one? Um, we're going to get to him, right? But um, yeah, give me a little time to think about that because we'll, we're going to okay. revisit we got, this. We got some time. Sure. Yeah. Sure. All right, Brian, what we got next? Yeah, so I'll jump into number five here. It's Derrick Henry, a beast. Effing right he is. And that's basically all I have to say. <laughs> so, I, mean, <laughs> I mean, the dude is just a monster. That's, that's I, all. I, yeah. Yeah. I can't even, I can't even add anything. I can't disagree with it. I, just like if I was a defender and Derrick Henry was running the ball. I'm just going to step out of the way and, uh, and just that's a life decision right there. So I don't have anything else to add. He is a beast. He is awesome. And, uh, and yeah, I'm just going to step out of the way and clear the path for John here, man. Is, did you guys see him this past weekend? Just so he, uh, he, he turned the corner and, uh, Earl Thomas tried to line him up <laughs> and he ends Turned up him around. Just, yeah, he spun him. First, he spun him, uh, you know, 
90 degrees uh, and then just kind of pushed him, just kind of threw him like you would do to your little brother. Just kind of just toss him out of the out of the way. It's just like the most disrespectful thing I've seen on a football field in quite a while. And I, I was just like, if I was a defensive player tasked with trying to to tackle Derrick Henry, I would be so angry. I would just be annoyed by this. Be like, this is this is first of all, this isn't really possible. I mean, this is pretty basic physics here. That guy's like 300 pounds <laughs> and he runs 20 miles an hour. Like there's, uh, there's nothing I can do here. Um, yeah. But like how do you practice that? Do you just like tackle a bus and practice or something? Yeah, like, what yeah do you pretty do? much. Like, yeah. Yeah. Try and try and take an angle on a moving car and, and see if you can push it out of bounds. Like that's kind of, yeah. That's what you're trying to do on the field. Like, yeah. You know? yeah. Yeah. It's, so it, like, I, I know that the way Derrick Henry plays isn't, isn't, you know, it's, it's certainly not graceful. Um, like I said, uh, disrespectful is kind of the, and, and um, uh, you know, just just for a defensive player, it would be really annoying. It would be really upsetting. Uh, so yeah, it, it's it's disrespectful and upsetting. That's his style of play. And uh, um, I like I said, I know it's not graceful. I know that it, you know, he's not necessarily making people miss. Cause he doesn't have to, <laughs> he just runs through them. Um, but you know, so he doesn't have those highlight reel, you know, spin moves and, and jump steps and stuff, but he's being really undervalued right now. Uh, it, considering, you know, we talk all the time about running backs and, you know, just kind of their, their propensity for getting injured and stuff. I, I mean, he's, he's probably pretty safe. First of all, he's got fairly low mileage for being, you know, going into his fifth year, going into his his contract year, or I mean, just finished up his contract year. Um, going into that second contract, he's got fairly low mileage. He's got fairly low damage, and he runs in a way where, you know, he 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 doesn't take the same type of damage that you know a, a five foot nine devonta freeman would take for instance so you know th there's there's a chance here that derrick henry could be pretty durable he kind of he runs a little bit like marshawn lynch and and i mean we've seen the the durability of marshawn lynch it you know you, you just run with that power you you kind of invite contact and square it up with your shoulders it it, it just you know all of the all of the impact gets absorbed in his shoulder pads. It's not an, an injury risk the way it is with most of these guys. So Derrick Henry's being very undervalued for me. If you're going to, if you're going to go running back early in a startup draft, which you shouldn't do it anyways, but I mean, you get by, you get past Barkley, you get past Christian McCaffrey, man, who else, who do you, are you really that much more confident in Ezekiel Elliott or Alvin Kamara than you are in Derrick Henry? I'm not. Yeah, no, I, I, I think he's right in the conversation with him. Um, Nick Chubb, maybe Delvin Cook. I mean, I, I, I think those guys are all in that conversation with, with Zeke and, and with Kamara. So I, yeah, I, he, he's in that second tier of running back after those top two, for sure, for me. 
Yeah, and and I'll say this. <clears throat> so last year, middle of the season, I, I don't. He had a, a meeting and conversation with Eddie George. I, I remember hearing this story, and I'm not sure exactly the time frame of that, but it was sometime in the middle of last season. Um, and Eddie George kind of challenged him, and since that time, I would say he's arguably been the best running running back in the National Football League over the last year and year plus year and Whoa. quarter quarter of games. We need to archive that one. I mean, he's just been outstanding. I mean, he had that, you know, if, if you look back to week 13, well, and this is, sure, it's convenient I'm picking week 13 because that's the week that he went off against the Jaguars and stiff-armed uh, somebody to hell and, you know, it had the <laughs> 240 rushing yards and four touchdowns in that game, right? And then took himself out so that Deion Lewis could score. And that says something about the kid, too. And, James, we were having that conversation before the show about, you know, making you wanting to root for guys and that type of stuff makes me run a root for this kid too. But anyways, this, excuse me, this man, <laughs> um, you know, but, but 238 yards rushing in that game, 170 week, 14, 84 and a touchdown in week 15 and then 93 in week 16. That was last year. This season, he had two games all year under 63 rushing yards. Uh, and he had eight 100-yard rushing games. I mean, and I mean, it's just he—he he just is an animal. He's an absolute animal. They run that offense through him, um, you know. And we saw late in the year again, and this is a this is a theme, you know, from weeks from week, um, from week ten on this year, he had over 100 yards in every game but one. He had 86 yards in week 15 against the Texans. In all of the other games, he was over 100 yards, or over 100 yards, and in all but one of those, it was 150 yards. I mean, the guy's just an animal. He's yeah. a beast. He's a beast. It, it was just unexpected to hear that from Brian Quan Harkley that uh, uh, that anybody other than Saquon is the best, like anything at running back. Um. It, it, it was a little surprising to hear that, but I agree with you. I mean, it, it, he's, he's not even people's problem with him and is that he's not doing this with big splash plays. And it's like, that actually should probably tell you, you know, it, it's more sustainable, you know, what mm -hmm. he's doing. He's just kind of grinding out these yards every single game. Um, it, You know, he, you just, you, he, he just, you know, slams into the line, you know, 20 times a game. And next thing you know, he's up into the 150s, 160s, and he's doing it, you know, eight, eight, five to eight yards at a time. Like it's, it's, like I said, it's, it's more sustainable than, than what people are trying to chase with some of these other guys. Harkley. I love it. That that's gonna be that's gonna be yeah. We're gonna I'm gonna we're gonna figure that out after afterwards, and that's gonna be a new thing moving forward. Brian Harkley, so or Harkley. So that, I love so that's it. What, that's what we're working on. Saquon Harkley. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Speaking love of that, it. okay, yes, great transition, John. Well done. Um, yeah. So number six is Saquon one returns. Um, and for me, I I just you know I I think we saw over the last several weeks of the season. Um, you know, 
again, just a reminder of what Saquon Barkley is and what he is capable of because, you know, he came back from the ankle injury um, and he didn't really look like himself. You know, he, he, he was okay. He wasn't, he, he wasn't horrible. He wasn't awful, but he wasn't Saquon. Uh, and then, you know, it, it just, it just felt like, okay, over the last couple of weeks there, he started to really rent. You know, we saw a couple big splash plays. He had a bunch against Washington. I mean, that game was just a, you could, it's, it was a Saquon Barkley highlight film. Um, you know, he had the play against the Eagles where he broke the line of scrimmage and was holding the deuces up about, you know, two seconds after he got the handoff because he knew he was gone, um, which was a little uncharacteristic of him, but whatever. I, I'll, I'll forgive him because he's Saquon Barkley, but, um, but yeah, I, I just, you know, I, I think, I think you missed your window <laughs> to buy him if, if you didn't in, in, in that, uh, several week period where he was injured and then where he came out of the gate from, from the injury and kind of wasn't himself, um, you know, and and I just think that I think that he absolutely, um, you know, and and we've had several conversations about this, so I'm not going to talk about it all night, even though I want to and would love to. Um, but I, I just I, I think he absolutely jumps back into consideration for the first pick overall in in any format um, for me. Uh, you know, and and it, look, I again, I understand, I understand, and I I would not do fall, you <laughs> yes. Yes, and I would not fault anyone for, um, you know, for taking a Patrick Mahomes. Uh, yeah. That that for me is, or or even or Christian McCaffrey. Even though no, nope. I would never do it. No. Um, I, I I also could see that. And John, I know we don't. Again, we don't have to do. We've done that <laughs> like four shows, I think. Um, but yeah, I, <laughs> I, I you know I I just think I think Sequano won, uh returns. I, I think. I think people that don't take him there next season are going to regret it. Saquon Baharkley? Saquon um, Harkley or Baharkley. Yes, I love it. Um, changing, yeah, no, my, I, I, changing my Twitter handle right now. Say Brian Harkley. <laughs> Brian, say, say Brian Harkley. Say, say yeah. Brian Harkley. Say Brian. Oh, man. <laughs> I'm creating that guy on Madden right now. Uh, (laughs) anyways yeah i i think it's the three of us it it was really nice to see because the one thing we've always all three of us have have really agreed on throughout the season was that we had saquon barkley still as our running back one and a lot of people were on the christian mccaffrey train and and i get i get why i mean you know you look at what he did this year it's really hard to deny with the passing game volume that he got and with you know, I, just the way he was used, he was, it, it, they didn't have anyone else. They didn't really use, they had, a, a, you know, what was their backup running back, Bohannon or something? It was like, I, I, we, we, <laughs> Reggie we bar- Bonifon and Jordan yeah, Scarlett. Yeah. We barely heard from, from any of them because it was Mike just Davis. like, it was like yeah. McCaffrey played 97% of the snaps. Like it was just insane. But for us, though, it, it was always, Hey, look, I don't see a reason to move Saquon down. And later in the year, we saw why, because he's he's still the same player. He still has the same talent. That offense is going to be better. I think we all feel like, you know, that offense should take a step forward. They should add some pieces, especially on the offensive line. And uh, and and I don't see any reason why Saquon shouldn't be the RB1. So now the 1.01, I agree, um, John. I, 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 I can't make an argument 
to take him over Patrick Mahomes just because Mahomes is younger, plays a position that's more valuable in super flex and, you know, should be around a lot longer. So I can't really make much of a, of an argument to take Saquon over a guy like Mahomes. However, um, I, I do think, you know, if I'm the first spot, I'm taking a running back, it's going to be Saquon that I'm going to take. And in my rankings, I believe I have Saquon at uh, the third, the third pick overall. I'm behind two quarterbacks because I have Lamar Jackson at two. Um, I have Saquon at three and then Michael Thomas, my wide receiver one at four. So um, I, I, I still have him ranked very highly. Um, if I'm going to take a running back, it's going to be Saquon in a super flex league or in any league. I don't think there's any reason to move him down. He's still the most talented back in the league, in my opinion. And uh, it was nice to see why at the end of the year, this, uh, this past season, um, you know, he kind of reminded us why he's, he's, he's that guy. Yeah, I I don't I won't add anything right now just because I mean the other side isn't being represented here. When Stompy gets back from his his staycation where he's he's just sitting out in the field frying ants with a magnifying glass right now and drinking squeeze it's like that's that to me that's what his his vacation is. Like it's it's nothing. It's pointless like bull yeah. Anyways, every po- uh, every podcast we record now, you have different variations of what Stompy's <laughs> vacation is. One of them was was standing in like a a, a field and just staring just, off in the abyss. Yeah, just kind of looking up into the sky and yeah, um, yeah, it's it's something along those lines. And uh, when he gets back, we're gonna have this conversation because he's gonna pine for Christian McCaffrey, and it's gonna be go time. We're gonna we're gonna get into this. Um, and and explain the fact that Saquon Barkley is and was the better player. Um, but in the meantime, we can uh, we can just move on if we're we're all just going to agree on this one. Um, but yeah, so for me, I, I I'm going to have a hard time right now. I have um, I have the two wide receivers. I have Michael Thomas and DeAndre Hopkins both ranked ahead of Saquon. Uh, in a startup and then, you know, four quarterbacks, but uh, it's going to be hard for me to keep it that way. I, there's a good chance that Saquon has just as much career expectancy as certainly Hopkins, possibly Michael Thomas. I mean, he's, he's kind of getting into, um, I, well, he, he just has a lot of variables, but um, we'll see that that one Again, that that could be a rankings update uh, at some point in this non-point scoring season. Um, but yeah, let's get to you, James, with some uh, uh, with your top six. Awesome. All right. So my number one is from the playoffs this past weekend. Patrick Mahomes shows the Texans what is up. I loved it. Look. So, all right. I'm not going to go into to the whole game. The you know a breakdown of the whole game, but. As we know, Texans jump up. They're they're up twenty four nothing, right? And they jump up twenty four nothing on on the Chiefs, and it, it, nothing's working for the Chiefs. I mean, Patrick Mahomes is throwing passes, no one's catching them. They're turning the ball over on special teams. The running game isn't working, and Houston goes up twenty four nothing in Arrowhead. The stadium is dead. All of a sudden, Patrick Mahomes decides, you know what? Uh, let's let's start playing, guys. Let's let's catch the ball. I'm going to throw it to Kelsey a bunch, and let's let's play ball. And they did. And man, was it glorious. They scored touchdown on seven straight drives. They scored, I believe it was, 
they outscored the Texans 51 to seven and ended up winning this game. It was the only instance that a team was down over uh, 24 points and came back to win over 20 points in playoff history. Just awesome. When Patrick Mahomes is at his best, he is so fun to watch. John, I know Patrick Mahomes obviously plays in the Broncos division. You see him twice a year. Kind of tough to to cheer for a guy like that, at least for me sometimes it is. But um, you have to at least appreciate Patrick Mahomes at this point of his career. What did you think uh, watching his his performance? Yeah, that that so every year we get at least one of these these players in particular. Uh, you you know you also get a, a team that kind of does something like this, but typically it's it's a particular player and usually a quarterback who I just call I call them storytellers. We kind of get into this a little bit every every off season or you know right around playoff time we kind of get to those storytellers um, because right now Pat Mahomes is he's doing. He he's telling a story. He's he's writing a, a story, this kind of legendary epic tale right now. And and this is all part of the story of Pat Mahomes that people are gonna tell, you know, uh, long after Pat Mahomes is retired with all his Super Bowl rings. So as much as I hate to say it, as a Bronco fan, man, it's gonna be it's gonna be tough for anybody to beat the Kansas City Chiefs if Pat Mahomes can can continue to play that way. Now he's on the other side of another, of a team that's telling a story right now in the AFC championship. So uh, I I'm very interested in, in the Titans versus Mahomes, but um, it uh, I, I think that whoever comes out of that game is going to be very tough to beat. Uh, I, I, I think that the Super Bowl champion comes out of the AFC. I really want to see Mahomes and the Chiefs in the Super Bowl too, and that's not a that's not a knock on the Titans. I mean, I've I've really enjoyed watching the Titans this playoff season, um, particularly because they knocked out the two teams that I hate probably the worst in the National Football <laughs> League. Uh, but beyond that point, um, you know, it, it's just been. I, I'm a. I mean, I'm a. Again, I'm a Steelers fan. I, I love big, humongous running backs that run people over. Um, I love mud and dirt and good defense. And, you know, I, I think the Titans, it's funny. Um, I had a, a conversation on Twitter a couple of weeks ago about the Titans defense. And um, it, it was pointed out that they're really, they, they really weren't that good statistically this year. I think in the last two games, you've kind of seen what they're capable of, though. I mean, they're not, they're not a defense that they, they give up a ton of yards. They give up a ton of yards, but they don't give up a ton of points. And points are the only thing that matters in this game from a real football standpoint, not from a fantasy standpoint, um, but from a real football standpoint, that's what matters. So um, I've had a good time in, in watching the Titans play. Um, I think that, you know, I mean, that style of football is a style of football that I like to watch. Having said that, <laughs> I want to see Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs in the Super Bowl. I just think that the matchups with the other two teams in the NFC um, regardless of which one comes comes out of the NFC, um, whether it's the Niners or the Pack, um, you know, I, I just I like the matchup with the Chiefs better. I think it'll be a more entertaining game to watch um, overall. And and like you said, John, I mean, we're 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 seeing. I mean, this this is the birth of the next great one. I I, I you know, I mean, Mahomes is he's legit all the way through. So um, 
Yeah, and and they just absolutely dismantled the the Texans in that game. Yeah, I mean, how do you have to feel as a Texans fan? Like you're up twenty four nothing, and you're like, oh my god, we're going to the AFC Championship game. And then within a span of like four minutes, it's over. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's just, I mean, that's awful. I I, I feel for Texans fans, but um, but yeah, yeah. That you know what that transitions me perfectly into my number two take and i'm just going to go into it because we we've kind of been talking already about the uh the 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 pending matchup between the chiefs and uh the titans and my number two was ryan Tannenhill. now i i know that that look derrick henry deserves a lot of credit probably the majority of the credit for them advancing in the playoffs so far them and the defense but Tannehill has been you know he's been decent he's been timely he's done what he needs to do and look when you when you look at this Tannenhill has put down Tom Brady and Lamar Jackson on the road in the postseason. And now he has a chance to do it to Mahomes, too. I don't know if if the Titans win this game, which I I, I think the Chiefs are gonna are gonna pull this out, but I, man, the Titans game plan and the way they've been playing in the playoffs, they they can win this game. If the Titans win this game, this might be the best playoff run. I, I mean, taking down Tom Brady, a Hall of Famer uh, against that defense that was what the the number one scoring defense in the league, then going to Baltimore, taking down what's probably going to be the league MVP and Lamar Jackson and the fourteen and two Ravens, and it wasn't even close. You know, I mean, twenty eight to twelve, I think was the final score, and it wasn't even that close. Um, and then, if you can go on the road and beat Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs to lead your team to the Super Bowl, man, this run, this run could be seen as historic by the Titans. And, and, you know, Ryan Tannehill is going to get a lot of the credit, whether deservedly so or not. He's the quarterback for this team. Uh, man, it, it's just unbelievable what the Titans have done so far. And if they can get this win, man, we're going to look back at this and, and go, how in the heck did Ryan Tannehill lead this team, you know, to the, to the wins over these quarterbacks, and these teams, uh, it just it, it's really remarkable so far. Um, so I, I, yeah, I guess I just want to, I, I, yeah, I do want kind of want to get your thoughts on the pending matchup between the Titans and the Chiefs, gentlemen. But I also want to get your thoughts on what Tannehill has done. Uh, I know you know we we read about Derrick Henry all the time and what he's done, but Tannehill did have three touchdowns this last game: two passing, one rushing. Um, so he he got it done in the red zone, and that's that's crucial, especially in the playoffs. He's not turning the ball over. He you know he's playing winning football. What do we think about this this run? And uh, do we give them a chance against Mahomes and the Chiefs? Yeah, I, I mean, so a couple. Th- there's a lot in that. Um, I think I think for me personally, watching him and and and. You know, first of all, anytime you take down Tom Brady and Lamar Jackson in back-to-back weeks in the playoffs, you've done a nice job. Well done, Ryan. Well done. Um, I will say that to me, this is more of a Trent Dilfer situation, though. <laughs> like if they go on to win the Super Bowl, it's because Ryan Tannehill didn't screw it up. You know, um, I mean, they th- they've thrown the ball in, in, in those two games 29 times. I think he's completed 15 for 29, 160 yards, three passing touchdowns. You did mention the rushing touchdown and one pick. So he he is playing winning football, James. You're absolutely right. And you can't take that away from him. I, you know, and, and, and sometimes, look, a good team that is built well doesn't always need a quarterback to lead them 
through it, sometimes it literally is the quarterback staying the heck out of the way. Ben Roethlisberger in 2005, when they won the Super Bowl against Seattle, wasn't because Ben Roethlisberger had a good, I mean, passing, you know, I mean, he, he made he made some timely throws. He did whatever. But I mean, the running game, the defense, and, and that's the same thing we got here. It's the running game and the defense. And Tannehill is making timely throws. He's not throwing it a lot, but when he is throwing it, He's he's either making good decisions and throwing the ball away or not forcing things and turning the ball over, or he's taking what the defense is giving him. You know, so he's doing a really nice job managing the game. Um, I, I think what has been what has benefited him the most is in these games is that they're getting out to leads or they're playing in a tight contest. It's not games where, you know. I mean, if Pat Mahomes comes out and throws three touchdowns and the Titans are down 21 nothing, they ain't coming back. I, I don't think they're coming back. I mean, I don't think they're built to come back from a multiple score deficit. Um, now, they keep it within one, you know, one possession. They, they take a lead um, where they can give Derrick Henry the ball 35 times or uh you know and 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 kind of squeeze the clock then yeah absolutely they're going to be in the game um so i i think it's a balance i don't want to discredit what Tannehill is doing because what he's doing is helping the team win football games um but i also don't want to give him too much credit because i don't think i don't think he's been in a position where they've had to hand him the keys and say go win us the football game you know what i mean so that's yeah. kind of where that's kind of where i am on it yeah, and I totally agree. I, I mean, I think Tannehill's there when you need him, but the, if if they win this game, it's not going to be because of Ryan Tannehill. It's going to be because of Derrick Henry. Um, but I I I do have to say, and I'm I, I just feel kind of an obligation to do this at this point because I I I don't want to take away from what Ryan Tannehill has done, and I, you know, to be perfectly honest here. Ryan Tannehill might be the thing that I've been the most wrong about in my career as a fantasy analyst. I, I don't think that I was that wrong on Aaron Rodgers. I think, um, you know, I, I, I think that there was some stuff there that, um, you know, if it, it, it could have easily gone the other way and Aaron Rodgers could have had that QB one season that I, that I kind of predicted it just, you know, just kind of the way, the way things ended up, playing out you know there there were a lot of one yard touchdown runs for Aaron Jones um, that easily could have you know in, in the past would have been touchdown passes by Aaron Rodgers so um, so you know as, as much as that one looked like I got that one wrong I don't think I was as wrong on that one as I was on the fact that first of all you know going into the season I felt like Marcus Mariota was the best quarterback on that roster and I felt like even if he was replaced at any point by Ryan Tannehill, it's not going to be that much of a difference. You know, I, I just I've never seen anything from Ryan Tannehill up until this season to indicate that he's the type of guy who can lead you on this type of run. And it it it, it speaks volumes about him. It speaks volumes about Adam Gase. That guy's an idiot. Um, it also makes me wonder about just kind of our overall quarterback evaluation processes. I think that we're we're going to need to 
maybe widen the the universe a little bit of of the quarterbacks who were you know capable of playing at this level we're we're gonna have to consider the possibility that some of these guys who are you know borderline journeyman type of guys you know they can go on the type of run that, that Tannehill has gone on first of all you know for fantasy purposes he was what the quarterback too um from the time he took over through week 16 uh you know only Lamar Jackson was better uh for fantasy purposes and and now leading this team through the playoffs on the road against you know great defenses um and very good offenses it's 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 been a remarkable run and it's the type of thing that I think there there are indicators for fantasy purposes that we need to recognize not just with Ryan Tannehill but guys uh, guys like him yeah, I think you guys both did a really good job of highlighting some good points, Brian. I will not, however, concede that this is a Trent Dilfer situation. Um, there were key differences, one of them being that Trent Dilfer <laughs> had one of the best defenses of all time, and the Titans kind of don't. But I do get your point. Your overall point is correct, is that you know this is Tannehill's not asked to win the game um, right now. And I think, you know, the, the reason is, I don't think it's because he's incapable though. I think it's because look at the teams they're playing, they're playing on the road and they're playing in some, I mean, some colder weather. I, I, I just feel like running the ball in these situations and limiting the amount of touches that you give Bill Belichick and Tom Brady and Lamar Jackson, and now Patrick Mahomes, that that's going to be how you beat these teams. So I think he's, you're, you're absolutely right on everything you said. He hasn't been asked to win a game. He's done what he needs to do. And you're right. I mean, we, we I, I don't want to pat him on the back too much because, you know, he isn't, you know, being asked to throw four or five touchdowns a game. But I, I do want to acknowledge him because I, I don't think that he gets any sort of acknowledgement. When I posted, man, you know, what an impressive feat uh, on Twitter. I posted what an impressive feat, you know, beating Tom Brady and Lamar Jackson on the road for Tannehill. It was almost like he only threw for 88 yards and, you know, he, he it was all Derrick Henry. It's like, well, come on now. You can't, you know, the quarterback gets all the blame when he throws a pick and, you know, ends up losing the game for him. But, you know, this guy's winning games on the road and he's not getting any credit. And I think that's that was kind of the thing was I just kind of wanted to point out that. Uh, and, and it's not because, you know, I had a take on him that ended up being right for fantasy purposes. It's more or less. I mean, just beating these quarterbacks, if, if if he if if they win this game, man, Brady, Lamar Jackson, and Patrick Mahomes, that could be the the past, present, and future uh, quarterbacks right there, you know, top top echelon names. And um, and then, you know, I mean, he might go to the Super Bowl and beat Aaron Rodgers. I mean, can you imagine the run that that could be? I mean, it's just it's it's amazing. And again, it wouldn't be him beating them. I I know it's just I I, I just wanted to throw a little bit of love his way because I feel like Derrick Henry's getting a lot of it. Um, the defense is getting its fair share. I just don't see much Tannen Hill love. And again, I mean, the guy is capable. I mean, he made AJ Brown, the wide receiver too, from, you know, uh, you know, for a good, what the, the last half of the season, second half of the season or something along those lines. So he, uh, he's obviously doing something right. Um, all right, moving on. Eric Ebron out in Indy. It's Doyle season. That's right. O'Doyle rules. Jack Doyle rules. Brian, I know that we talked about this earlier with your tight ends a little bit. Um, I think Jack Doyle will be a tight end one. I think with Eric Ebron out of the way, um, whatever happens in Indy um, at the quarterback situation, if they bring in a young quarterback or 
or a veteran. Um, either way, first year in the season, I think Doyle's going to be a nice safety valve for whoever takes over. Or if they draft a quarterback, they say a tight end, a good veteran tight end, can be a young quarterback's best friend. I think Doyle's going to get a lot of receptions that way. And if, if, again, the conspiracy theorists are right, and Andrew Luck comes back this year, I think that means even better things for Jack Doyle. So um, I, I think, you know, with a clear cut, hey, Jack Doyle is going to get a lot of the uh, the, the passing situation, even in the red zone. Um, now that Eon's out, I just think that means bigger things for Doyle. So I'm buying Doyle. Um, I think we've seen what he can do. Uh, and and so I'm, I'm buying him. I think he ends up being a tight end one. And I think you can have him for relatively cheap at this point right now with all the question marks going on in Indy. What do you uh, what do you guys think? Hmm. I still haven't totally decided. I mean, I think he's probably still in the conversation, but it's getting tougher, you know, where this time last year we had that very defined top tier. And then from there it was a bunch of, you know, pretty good tight ends, but you know, no one was necessarily, uh, you know, well, you, you you certainly had that top tier. You know, you had Kittle, Kelsey, and and Ertz, and then from there it was kind of Ingram, Howard, Najoku, Hunter Henry. Um, you know, that was kind of the the second tier. I and I don't know that that one held up. Uh, I think that you have some some new guys in there. I mean, Mark Andrews is kind of he might not quite be in that top tier with with Kelsey and Kittle. Um, but I think, man, I might even take him over Ertz at this point. I think, uh, you know, wait I mean, a minute, timeout. Uh oh, did you just say you were going to take? Wait, who did you just say you're taking over Zach Ertz? Mark Andrews. Okay, no, uh-huh. I, I almost, I almost just had a heart <laughs> attack because I thought you were saying Jack Doyle over Zach Ertz, and no, I would have no. major issues with that. So I, I, no. I'm, I apologize. I kind of checked out. I kind of checked out for half a second, <laughs> and I almost died. But it's okay. I'm back to life. So I, Brian, that's what I need to still do. here. I need to just throw out a, a little, uh, a little mini grenade like that every now and then, just to just to keep you awake, keep you on your toes. Um, yeah, I, I think Mark Andrews is awfully close to that top tier. Um, he's probably not quite there, but I I think he might be in a tier of his own, kind of in between, you know, that kid that Kittle Kelsey tier and then you know the next group which for me is probably going to be guys like mark ingram or evan ingram sorry uh and hunter henry um you know i think those guys are still there waller waller's not quite there for me Uh, part of the problem was was the you know the end zone look the red zone looks um a lot of that was going to foster moreau uh until he went on ir um I think they're also going to add to that wide receiver core. And uh, I, I don't, I don't know that they wanted to use Waller as much as they did. So, but I still think he's top 12. I still think he's going to be kind of in the same. I, I mean, he's got to be in the same range as, as uh, um, you, you know, Noah Fant. Um, I think he's, he's there. I, I He's got to be ahead of OJ Howard and David Njoku. Um, yeah, there, there are a handful of guys who are, you know, you just feel a little bit better about them, even in the low end tight end one range than kind of what we had last year. So, so I don't know about Doyle. I, I think that he might be more, 
um, you know, high end tight end two range for me at this point. But um, yeah, without the names in front of me, I, I'm I just think that the tight end position improved quite a bit this year, especially kind of at the top end. And I don't know if there's room for him anymore. I'm stalling because I'm trying to pull up some statistics. Well, good. I'm gonna. I'm buying all the Doyle. I'm. <laughs> I'm just gonna buy them all, and I'm gonna sit back and just hoard all the Doyle shares. And when he's a tight end one, because all the a lot of the names that you you just threw out, like Hunter Henry, is gonna get hurt again, and. You know, some of the other guy, Evan Ingram, again, going to find himself on the IR. What a shocker. And then, you know, Jack Doyle is going to be there. Good old Jack Doyle, tight end eight, is going to be there. And uh, and I'll be happy because I'll have paid next to nothing for him. So there you go, John. I hope you're happy. Brian, do you have your stats yet or do I have to keep I do. Going? No, I do. Right. I, I, look, here's the deal with Doyle. Could could Doyle sneak into the, to the tight end one conversation? Yes, he could. Boom, done. Moving on. No, joking. Go Mike Sicky <laughs> finished the year as the tight end one this year. I just so so think about what I, I just said there. <laughs> okay. I mean, I, I that that's that's so look, it doesn't my, my point is it doesn't take much for those last couple of spots for to be a tight end one. It doesn't take much. So James, I will give it to you. I do believe that Doyle could probably sneak in there, but I do think it's going to take a different quarterback. I don't know that Jacoby Brissett is, is, is the guy that's going to get him there. We'll, we'll see what so happens with fast, that offense. My friend, we're, we're going to talk about, we're going to talk about that quarterback here in, in, in a, in a few here. All right. We're going to talk about that, that position there for Indy in just a couple minutes. But before we get to that, I'm going to go to my number four. And it seems like running back early is, is, is that's the strategy that people are using in startups. They're taking running backs early and often, uh, and they're, they're doing that at the, uh, at the expense of a wide receiver early draft strategy. I love it because I'm taking all the wide receivers and I can get them later and I can get like MT, uh, you know, Michael Thomas at like the six or seven spot now, because, everyone's going running backs and I love it. I love it because I can go wide receiver, wide receiver, get some running backs late and just load up on like six or seven or eight running backs later in the draft. Um, and just kind of, kind of take a bunch of flyers and hope that one or two of them work out and know that uh, I'm going to be set at wide receiver for years. If I can nail those, uh, those early rounds. Right. So what do you guys think? Are, are you guys uh, running back early strategy, wide receiver early or, are you just taking your highest ranked player uh, no matter what? Uh, after quarterbacks? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm assuming, uh, yeah, yeah. And I'm I'm saying this as a, uh, it doesn't have to be for a second round. I mean, you can go quarterbacks there. But what I'm saying is I'm seeing a lot of people are taking running backs earlier and it's pushing receivers down. And to me, that's great because then I'm getting the higher quality receivers because of it, because the running backs are going earlier, receivers are getting pushed down the draft board. So, yeah, uh, you know, not not even taking quarterback into consideration. Obviously, uh, you and I, John, are are pretty close. We we want we want to take quarter. I, I I want two quarterbacks in my top three picks, but that still pushes a lot of wide receiver value down when people are taking running backs early and often. Yeah. Uh, so my strategy has always been quarterbacks and wide receivers early, just because you can kind of build that foundation 
And then, you know, once you solidify those, you, you when you've got all the quarterbacks that you need and you're not going to have to scramble to find new ones every single year, which, you know, that's a position that a lot of people are in in Superflex. And then with the wide receivers, I mean, once you get them, once you kind of lock up that position, then you get to kind of start paring them down off of your off of your roster a little bit because, you know, they're they're more uh they're they're less risky as far as injury goes um you know they they just don't get hit as much they don't get as hit as hard as as running backs so you know they and it's a lot harder to you know besides injury it's just harder to take a wide receiver off the field even if you know for instance Corey davis you know he he should he he looked like the wide receiver one for the longest time for the titans aj brown comes along and clearly at this point aj brown is their top wide receiver but Corey davis is still on the field there's still a path for him to score fantasy points so if you invested in Corey davis i mean certainly you're not getting what you had hoped for but you're still there you're you're you've still got a guy who's on the field and who's getting targeted in the passing game there's still a path for him to score you fantasy points every week. So if you do that, you can you you go, you know, fairly wide receiver heavy, especially with younger wide receivers, they're going to be there for you for a while. So that has always been my strategy, but I got to be honest, I I think that I might be shifting away from that a little bit. I think that that approach is perfect like if you take that approach in a startup, plan on a productive struggle in year 1, because you're not going to have running backs. You're going to have, you know, built up the quarterbacks, the wide receivers, maybe even the tight ends. And your running backs are going to, they're, they're going to be a little bit spotty. You know, you're going to end up with guys who sometimes they give you something, sometimes they don't. You're going to have a lot of James White type of guys um, at the at the running back position in year one. By year two, though, you're going to be able to kind of start cashing in start paring down those wide receivers, um, start trading away some quarterbacks to the people who forgot to draft them and now they're desperate. And then you can, you know, you can turn those into running backs. You can take running backs early in your rookie draft because, there you, you, go. A, you know, Nailed you just it. had a down year. So, you know, I, I think there's still something to that strategy is a little bit more of a long-term thing for dynasty. Um, I will say though that I've had I, I I had success this year in year one by going quarterback and running back heavy just for the fact that they're they hold the most first of all well first of all they hold the most trade value so you can kind of cash them in as you go and you know plug in any holes uh, in your roster and second you can find wide receivers. You know, I, the the league in particular that I'm thinking about, um, I, uh, I, you know, and I've got a I've, we're all in that league, the Superflex Army run by our friend, uh, our friend Bill Superdupa Flex on Twitter. And uh, uh, I also have a co-owner, um, Dave Sorelli. And, uh, you know, we went quarterback and running back heavy. And we still ended up with a wide receiver core that in, included DJ Chark, Devonte Parker, Christian Kirk. You know, we kind of found some guys. Um, some of them we got on waivers. Some of them we got uh, in trades kind of later in the season. Um, 
we actually drafted Christian Kirk and, and we missed on some wide receivers in the draft too, but we still found what we needed at wide receivers. So, so I don't know. I, I, you can go either way, honestly. Yeah, I, it, it's tough. I mean, I think those top end running backs are the ones and, and look, I, I understand I'm talking here with, with the guys that, uh, especially John here, you know, how many conversations have we had about running backs over the years? But, um, you know, I, I, I understand it's very difficult to predict the, the, you know, which running backs are going to be those top two or three, uh, and how they change and whatnot. But I think right now, especially you have, I don't know. I don't know that the data backs it up, though, when I'm saying it. I, I have a hard time not drafting one of those elite running backs early if I'm sitting in those spots and can't move out of them. You know, the Barkleys, the McCaffreys, the um, Kamaras. The, now, again, Kamara disappointed this year. A lot of people. Barkley got hurt. Um, McCaffrey was really the only one out of those three guys that, you know, paid his value. But um, I just have a hard time not taking them. You know, I do think the running back position is a is a is more scarce than the wide receiver position too. I mean, if you use 150 fantasy points as a cutoff line, you're looking at like 23, 24 running backs that scored that. There's 40 some receivers that scored over that. So now, in a lot of leagues, you're starting an extra receiver too, so that plays into it as well. But yeah, I mean, superflex. I'm 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 with you guys. I'm I mean, definitely quarterbacks early and often. Um, you know, and then it just it just kind of depends. I guess I was kind of the opposite, John. Like you're kind of coming around to the running backs. And I think for me, I kind of started going contrary because the idea of wide receivers lasting longer. And I just thought you could get some value if you took running backs early. And I'm kind of shifting back the other way towards towards what James is saying now to where I'm starting to <clears throat> I'm trying what I'm trying to do is move back always in, in drafts to, to pick up a little extra value um, and then take these receivers that hopefully are going to hold their value for a little bit longer than those running backs. But I mean, I think there's a, the, the cool part about this game is there's a, you know, there's a lot of ways you can build a team. There really is. And I've seen them all work. So, you know, I know we all have our, our particular styles that we like or that we believe in or whatever, but I've seen teams that are super running back heavy over the last several years win championships all over the place. I've seen teams that are really wide receiver heavy win championships all over the place. So it's, you know, it, it, it's neat that we can build teams different ways and still be successful. So that that's where I'll leave it. I, I guess, I, I don't know. I, I might've copped out of that a little bit, but um, that's kind of where I stand. Yeah, no, I like it, Brian, um, because I, I'm basically where I'm at. I'm going to zig when everyone else is zagging. So for me, when everyone's taking running backs early and you just see it, I mean, in these startups, you see running backs going earlier. Um, so I'm I'm going to I'm going to wait for that receiver value to get pushed down to me. And John, like like, you know, I stated earlier, taking quarterbacks, I, w I want quarterbacks first and foremost and super flex. Um, but you know, eventually when I'm, you know, I'm looking at these position players, it seems like the value is getting pushed down at wide receiver, whereas the running back value just isn't there. So I, I just, I just like to zig when others are zagging. It's been a, a let's take wide receiver early culture, um, as of late. And I think this year it really, um, kind of changed 
at least from what I've seen, and a lot of running backs are uh, are coming, so uh, are going earlier. So that that was just kind of my my take on it. So, real quick, guys, I'm going to get to my last two. I'm just going to list them off. You guys can comment on them if you want. We already talked about Derrick Henry, um, so I'm going to gloss over this one. Derrick Henry, you know, is a potential free agent. He could provide a fun landing spot. And the thing that's really interesting about this is the Titans want to bring back Ryan Tannehill. But also, Derrick Henry is a free agent. So if they can't come to a long-term deal with Tannehill, they may have to tag him, which means they won't be able to do that with Derrick Henry. Um, do they want to heavily invest in him? So I, that's going to be really interesting to monitor because while he is the leading rusher, he could walk. He could have a new team. And can you imagine Derrick Henry on the Chiefs or Derrick Henry in Houston, you know, playing the Titans twice a year or, you know, Derrick Henry in Tampa Bay? I mean, we're all thinking about the possible landing spots. For Derrick Henry, he could he could provide some fun ones. So um, that's the first one here. Um, and then the second thing is, I'm starting to hear, I'm starting to hear Andrew Luck, you know, hey, maybe Andrew Luck's coming back this year. The Colts really did nothing to try to replace him, even though they weren't happy with Jacoby Brissett by the end of the year. Um, they really did nothing to to secure that, that quarterback spot. You know, I wonder, I wonder if they did nothing because – they just knew Andrew Luck was coming back after a year. Maybe he, maybe he wasn't fully healthy. Maybe he needed to heal. And you know, hey, another year-long injury was going to to provide a lot of questions. Maybe you just retired and said, hey, if I'm healed, you know, I'll be I'll be back next year. Kind of a a, a wink, wink to the Colts. And maybe he's back. What what do we think about the possibility of Andrew Luck coming back? So I'll just I'll leave you guys with that. And if you guys want to comment on any of it, uh, awesome. If not, we can move on to John's. Yeah, I think Derrick Henry stays. Um, man, that Andrew Luck thing would be interesting, though. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't have a whole lot to add, though. Do you, Brian? No. So with the Andrew Luck thing, what, what I'll say there, I mean, I've, I've talked about Derrick Henry enough, but the Andrew Luck thing. I mean, first of all, I would absolutely love it. Um, I have Andrew Luck. Uh, he's one of my very highly um, rostered guys on on my dynasty teams teams i have him in like 20 25 percent of my leagues according to that sticky board thing um i did not drop him in any of them so i hope like heck he comes back if he's healthy and if he wants to if he doesn't want to i fully support his decision um to you know hang it up and live his life he, he has every right to do that um and I think the people that got on him about that last year, I think that's absolutely ridiculous. Um, but from a fan perspective, I would love to see him come back to the Colts organization. Um, I, th <clears throat> I think they have some pieces uh, there that, that if you inject Andrew Luck back into that team, uh, you know, I, I like what I see. Um, so, you know, I, I mean, all teams at this point in, in the non-point scoring season have question marks, but um yeah, I mean, he he makes that team instantly a lot better. So I would love it. I would absolutely love it. I don't know that it's going to happen, um, but if it did, I would be one of the guys on the sideline cheering, you know, <laughs> about it. Because like I said, I have a lot of shares, and I really like Andrew Luck. He's he's um, he's one of my favorite players that that was in the league, and hopefully I, we get to see him play football again, again, as long as he's healthy and as long as he wants to. I just want it to happen so we can get the Captain Andrew Luck Twitter account going again. <laughs> yeah, that guy's great. I I miss it. I really do. All right, John. Let's move on to your that's effing right. All right. Let's do this. And just like last week, I think I'm just going to actually 
run through all of these and then let you guys uh, react to the ones that you want to get back to. Um, definitely feel free to jump in at any time and uh, um, give us a little bit of analysis. But uh, we're definitely uh, over time yet again. <laughs> um, that's uh, that's pretty much, uh, I, I might as well just make that a drop at this point and uh, plug it into every episode. But um just to make this a little bit more manageable for people to listen to, I'll run through these real quick. So first of all, I got the best Christmas present that I've gotten since when I was a kid getting video game consoles. And it was Tommy John's boxer briefs, believe it or not. I, I was always dreading. In fact, like if, if the 12 year old version of John met, the 38 year old version of John who's excited about getting underwear for Christmas. Like he would be so disappointed in me, but the reality is these things are like, they're so comfortable. Like the second skin version of Tommy John boxers are just like, it's just the most comfortable thing ever. It's like wearing a cloud. I'm just going to tell you right now. (laughs) I, I, I don't see a need for a second layer of clothing down there. Let's just I I'm what? yeah if you if you see James out and about he's wow. freeballing I I'm out and about I I don't need any extra support I'm I'm good so I I I'm oh, I'm just telling okay. you that that yeah that present would be regifted if if I got it <laughs> I'm just saying well uh, I, what the hell is happening right now <laughs> we, uh, yeah that one that was uh that I just <laughs> got trumped on my that's effing right there's a much bigger that's that's effing right. <laughs> there um and uh also i apologize to our listeners for uh any mental images that uh that came with that uh, um yeah moving on uh i'm gonna s- two guys who i have been very proud of of uh uh kind of picking out a little bit early um you know some of my sleeper running backs who who i feel like kind of hit uh, I would say, I, I, I mean, I don't even know that that's debatable, but Chris Carson and, and the electric playmaker, Chris Carson, and then Philip Lindsay, both of those guys, I was pretty high on. They were sleeper running backs for me, but I think the time has come to sell them here. Um, you know, this is back to back years of, of substantial production for both of these guys. Uh, we haven't gotten that, you know, that monster RB high-end RB1, like top five RB running back type of season from either of those guys. I don't know that either of them is necessarily capable of it, but I kind of think that they're both at their highest value right now. So uh, as much as I hate to say it, I'm pretty uh, pretty definitive um, in uh, selling those two guys this offseason. Number three, HGTV is porn. It's like literal porn. I have to give credit to my brother on this one. Um, he was actually the one that came up with the analogy. I just agree with it so wholeheartedly because so generally it's, it's females who have the problem with porn. Right. And, and their problem is that it creates expectations that they can't possibly live up to where everything is shaved. Everything is tanned. Everything is bleached, you know, like the, the, the facial expressions and everything, everything is, is just kind of is, is so, you know, just, just manufactured and and manicured perfectly uh, that that's not the way it actually is in real life. HGTV, it does the exact same thing, but it does it to us men. 
the idea that you can turn any room into just kind of the in or any house, any backyard, whatever the hell it is, that you can turn it into this perfect looking thing with absolutely no effort. The expectations on us men to do that is just completely unrealistic and unfair. Stop watching HGTV. It's ruining what you, you know, your your expectations of us men. There's there's a whole lot of context behind that one that I don't have time for. So, you just take my word for it. Just stop stop with the HJ, HGTV and don't let your wife or your girlfriend watch it either. <sighs> Number four, I was wrong about Austin Hoop. Oh, Bryant. <laughs> Brian wrote this one for me. <laughs> I was wrong about Austin Hooper. More like Austin Pooper, am I right? Uh, no, you're he... wrong. You just said you were wrong. <laughs> yeah, I was wrong to call him Austin Hooper. It's Austin Pooper. Uh, no, I, I I got that one. And we were talking about the, the tight end position earlier, and I totally glossed over Austin Hooper, so I'm obviously still wrong about him. He's only 25 years old and clearly one of the top. He, he's got to be in the top tier. I mean, I, I've got him ranked below Mark Andrews, but I don't think I can put him much. It, probably below Zach Ertz, too. I, I don't think I could put him any lower than that, though, within the tight end position. he's He, he just had the breakout season right on schedule just when, you know, tight ends typically do it. It's... uh it, it, it was a very impressive season for Austin Hooper. Um, number five, I am going to buy Raheem Mostert and Boston Scott this off season. Uh, there, there's going to be a lot of skepticism about those two backs um, for, for very different reasons. Raheem Mostert feels like he kind of came out of nowhere in a depth chart. That's pretty hard to, to hold down. But I, I mean, if you, if you've been watching Raheem Mostert play for the better part of the last two seasons, you see the best running back on that roster, on that depth chart, just kind of across the board. He's bigger and more powerful. He's faster. He's just, he's, he's more durable. He's more explosive. It, I, yeah, I, I think that Raheem Mostert makes Matt Breda expendable. And I think that Raheem Mostert legitimately goes into 2020 as the number one running back for the San Francisco 49ers. And then with Boston Scott, the, the big knock is Miles Sanders. And I get it. I mean, Miles Sanders is the more complete back. He really should be the lead back. But the juice that we saw from Boston Scott, I think, earns him a role. Uh, I, I think that it's kind of a satellite plus type of thing. I think you're going to see a fairly significant workload for Boston Scott. I think that he could be the Austin Eckler to Miles Sanders, Melvin Gordon. And then finally, number six, and this one, this is, this is why I had to rush through this because this one, this one needs some explanation. So, uh, so this is dating back to the early days of the Superflex Super Show and even a little bit before that. So a, a shout out to our, our good, good friend, um, a former co-host, Travis Rasmussen, Travis the Beard, who we miss dearly. Uh, 
still getting an opportunity to talk to him every now and then, but his life just got so busy kind of out of nowhere and it stayed that way. Um, so he had to step away from uh, fantasy football analysis, but we, we still, we miss him very dearly on this show and wish him all the best. But back when he was a co-host on this show, it was constant pee breaks. He was constantly in like, so right now, Brian has taken uh, more than one um, while we've been recording this show, this episode. In about an hour and a half, he's taken, I believe, two pee breaks. Uh, but the di- he 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 kind of messages us. Um, he you know he mutes his mic. He walks away and he goes and does it, and you don't even notice that he's gone. Travis, on the other hand, he would stop everything. He sometimes mid sentence he would say, "Oh, hey, hold, 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 no, hold on, hold on, I have to go pee." He would like, sometimes just... curse so that way he knew John that you would have to edit it out. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. He would make more work for me by doing it. First of all, he had a bladder the size of a of a dime, but yeah, he would make more work for me. He would make us sit here and wait for him instead of just letting us podcast without him. It was just like the most intrusive damn thing. And we came up with a scenario. (laughs) So we came up with a scenario for him where, you know, what would be nice is if he could just pee once, one more time, and then be done for the rest of his life. Now, maybe it takes 24 hours, you know, maybe it's just 24 hours straight, nonstop urinating, but then you're done for the rest of your life. If we could extend that invitation to anybody else, I, what are you going to do? So my that's effing right here is that you do it. You have to do it the way that you have to do it. I think, you know, just strategic, like logistically speaking to me, the way you do it is you st- you lay down at the top of a hill, the very top of a hill where with very good drainage, you just kind of lay down pantsless and just, just let it go. Just let it flow for 24 straight hours. I don't think that you can do it on a flat surface I don't I don't even think that you could do it in a toilet. You know, Ethan, uh, our, our, our co-host, Ethan Turner, uh-huh. uh, he uh, he hypothesized that you could probably do it in the shower and, uh, you know, that the drain could keep up. I'm not convinced by that part. Yeah, you you crowd. now now let, let's go a little deeper into this, because Ethan, you, you had stated that. No, I, I don't know. I think I think it would clog. And Ethan's immediate response was, John, are you like peeing chunky or something that you're clogging the drain <laughs> with your urine? Like, and, and that was well, the question that he had. Yeah. Like, what, what are you what are you peeing? Like, what is going on in your household? So, <laughs> yeah, I and I, I get it. I'm just I, I'm not saying I'm not talking about the consistency of the urine. I'm talking about the volume of the urine. Twenty four hours of constant liquid flow is a lot. I, and I don't know, I I don't know enough about the plumbing in this particular bathroom that it, it, you know, in this shower, like how much, how, how much can it actually kind of hold, you know? Um, but how much can it sustain? I, I, I'm not totally convinced. I mean, the other problem here is comfort again, like this is 24 Mm -hmm. straight hours. And wherever you're at, whatever you're doing, like however you you go about doing this, 
I mean, you're kind of there, right? You're kind of stuck there for the entire 24 hours. So mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. standing in a shower with your own urine coming up to your ankles yeah, yeah, it's like, brutal. I, I, for 24 hours. Uh, yeah. I, yeah. I don't, I, th- to me, that's not that's not the strategy here. That's not yeah, the I, way that this works. I, I I will chime in and say that during our conversations, I do think that the hill is was genius, John. You came up with that. You're way on top of the hill. You never have to worry about you know being in a pool of your own your own urine because it's it's falling down the hill. So so genius there. Comfort wise, you're good for 24 hours. Um, so that's not not a bad idea, but we we turned our attention quickly when we had this conversation last with Ethan and with uh, our friend Bobby at at Wrecked Fantasy um, on Twitter uh, with our friends there, and uh, and and it was brought up about well, how about just sitting down on a toilet, you know, for for twenty four hours sitting down on the toilet's rough, but I tell I, you what. I, yeah, I can't sit on a toilet for more I, than like I, I ten minutes without my legs going numb, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and that's just it. And and so that's that's a tough sell. But if I had to do it sitting down on a toilet, I, uh, so, and this is kind of where it went off the rails a little bit too, because personally, I live alone, right? And twenty four hours sitting on a toilet, like, you know, you might get hungry, you might, you know, I, something might happen, you might need, I I don't know, but I want someone checking on me, right? So for me, I said, hey, you know what? If it was me, if I have to sit down on a toilet and do this, I'm going to a public restroom. And I know it's not <laughs> home base, right? And I know, you know, you got to put the thing down. You got to make sure that you're safe, you know, and, and you know, but I, I want someone coming in every eight hours and being like, this dude is still, he's still going. He's still, are you okay in there? Like, yeah, thank you for checking. You can have someone come by the next shift in eight hours, make sure I'm good. You know, I would appreciate it because <laughs> you never know, you know, you don't know what's going to come up. You don't know what's going to go wrong in this situation. So, um, yeah, yeah. That kind of went off the rails too. Cause I was, uh, told I was basically nuts for wanting to do that in public, but I, 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 I would appreciate someone checking in on me, you know? So, um, that's a big deal to me. So Brian, this is the first time you've heard about this, uh, this conversation that we, uh, we have kept rolling here. What are your thoughts on it? What uh, what do you think so far? Yeah, so as the newbie, I have a couple of comments. First and foremost, this may be the strangest conversation I've ever had in my life. Um, <laughs> it, it's very entertaining, but oh my goodness! Mm-hmm. And, and and secondly, here, so so it it seems like, uh, or or at least the the sense that I'm getting is that it's like you know if we're talking about this in dynasty trade terms, right? It's almost like it sounds like you guys are thinking that accepting the 24 hour P challenge is is like a slam dunk snap accept. Right. So like mm-hmm. you have to do it. I heard you yeah. say that, John. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah I disagree. I, I disagree. I disagree. Really? I don't know that. I don't know that I would do this. No. I, I really oh, don't man. know that I would do this. And, and because, you're the one who knows firsthand what an inconvenience this is. Because, again, you've, you're you the one who's had to actually get up and and do this you know, like several times through this podcast. Yeah, and think about all the times, road trips, on, <laughs> yeah. a, on an airplane, you know, like all the inconvenience. You know, you're 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 at a at a at a whatever at a, a theme park with the kids and you know oh man i gotta go you know we're in we're in the middle of line you know we've waited 30 minutes and we got 30 more minutes and i gotta go you know like yeah oh, but think man. Of, okay okay so so i get that i get the inconvenience factor and and from from a surface level 
like, yeah, I mean, that makes sense. I mean, it would be it would be nice to not have to have to go all the time, right? In the middle of a game at a crucial point or during a, a crucial outstanding wonderful podcast uh, you know i mean yeah that absolutely would would be more convenient but like i i, I don't know i mean you know you, you're in a public restaurant and you gotta pee after having a few brews and you go in and you, you just let go and it it's i don't know it's it's not it's like i don't know like isn't you that a, isn't that a nice it, huh? isn't, yeah. isn't a nice yeah it's a nice feeling I mean you feel the pressure and it's like oh shit oh shit and you get in there it's like oh yeah all right yeah but what I might have just, just we might have just lost some listenership there <laughs> <laughs> what if you never had to feel that like that discomfort that like pressure of having to to go you know like if you never had that again for the rest of your life like wouldn't you I don't know I I so I think I could probably be persuaded either way. Okay. Um, but, but I, I, by no means, you know, this is one that I would be checking the, uh, uh, Twitter polls and the trade calculators and the analyzers and, and getting some opinions and, and yeah, I, I, I it's not a slam dunk. It's not a slam dunk for sure that I would go that route. Okay. Well, I can tell you right now hey. that if you check DLF trade analyzer, John and my super, super urine uh, rankings would have something to say about it and you'd be accepting that trade. Okay. <laughs> so, but, but let's, let's just say, Brian, I, I got a question here. Let's just say you did accept that trade. You said, you know what? All right, I'm sold. I'm going to do it. I'm going to, I'm going to the 24 hour thing. I'm going to do it. Right. How do you do it? I got to know how you would do it. Well, the one way I wouldn't do it is catheter. Oh yeah. Nope. Good answer. Nope. Good answer. Nope. <laughs> All right. Nope. So, so we'll start there out, not um, in. Yeah, right. <laughs> so, yeah, exactly. Uh, so, yeah, no, I, I I, mean, I like the idea of the hill for sure, uh, because I, I don't, you know, I, I'm I, I'm not really interested in standing in urine, even if it's my own urine. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, I, I like the idea of, of a hill. I'm not sure. I mean, boy, I'm not sure the logistics of that, though, because standing for 24 hours straight is difficult. You know, it is difficult. So do you lay down? But if you lay down, then, you know, there's some logistical things there, too. You know, <laughs> I mean, so. <laughs> kind of, but I, th that's the thing. Like if you if you find a nice, tall, grassy hill with good drainage, um, you know, soft grass, uh, uh, particularly at the top where you can just kind of lay on your side and just let it run downhill for, you know, for the entirety of of your of your sentence, you know, uh, you know, you can pack a picnic and, and just kind of, you know, hang out and play games on your phone. Listen to the super binge, listen to the super flex, super show on, uh, on your podcast listening device while you're just kind of, Oh man, those, ep flow. those episodes are so long. You could hear like three episodes start. <laughs> exactly to finish. what I was thinking. Yeah, this, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, this, <laughs> this one and one other, and then you're done. <laughs> forever you never have to deal with this again i just have such i get so frustrated with some of the just the realities of of being a human being like the time that we have to waste on stupid things like going to the bathroom brushing our teeth eating just let me take a freaking pill 
for all of this stuff and and just be done so that I can keep doing what the hell I was doing before this this natural reaction that I had that pulled me away from the the work I was doing or or the fun that I was having or well, even if I wasn't even doing anything that important it's still that's what I wanted to be doing I didn't want to be sitting on the damn toilet I didn't want to be sitting at the table eating something I, I so, so here so John here's I'm going to interject right here because <laughs> so eating eating is not an inconvenience Eating oh my goodness, is yes, a pri- it, is. it is a privilege. Are you kidding uh, me? Yeah, you know what? It's probably inconvenient to you because you don't eat turkey on Thanksgiving, you weirdo. Oh, man. Well, if I had my way, I wouldn't. Absolutely. But it is a total inconvenience. I mean, think about all the things that you have to stop. I mean, we in the middle of our work day, we have to go up. Oh, we all got to stop because we all have to eat. I can't tell I mean, you. Come on. I, I don't know that I can name five things that I like to do better than eating. I love to eat. Well, so I, I, I will and, say, and John, that, by the way, I, I mean, I hope <laughs> I, I mean, you were real quiet when I said that about the Thanksgiving thing, man. That was a joke. Don't hurt, don't, don't, don't no, hurt me or hate me, man. <laughs> no, I was, I was going to let that one go because uh, we've, we've got a lot of, uh, a, a lot to work through here. Um, but yeah, I, I, so I'm, I'm fine with it, it. You know, if, if you, you should have the option to eat if you want to eat. You know, for a lot of people, like that's that's kind of our our interactions with one another. We meet up with family for for a meal or, or you know, we do have those holidays or like even go on a date. It, you usually go to have a meal and it's better than going like to a movie or something where you can't actually talk. Um, I don't I personally don't love the idea of trying to attract somebody while I'm eating freaking ribs. Um, but I, at least I don't have to deal with that anymore. Hey, if um, they can't love you while you're eating ribs, <laughs> yeah, get that's oh, true. Wow, that's okay. that, that's kind of you at your worst for that's sure. The test, <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. I mean, you'll look like something off of National Geographic. So, yeah, if they're still into it, then uh, then I think you you got to keep her. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I just, if, if you want to do that stuff, I think that that's fine. I just also feel like there should be the option to just pop a pill real quick and you know, you, you swallow this pill and then it kind of turns into the equivalent of a, of a full meal and, and you're, you're, you just keep going, doing what you were doing. Um, you know, especially like when I'm driving, I don't like to eat while I'm driving. Like it's, it's, I mean, it feels kind of dangerous. Um, I, it, it also, I don't know, it, it, you, you just, you're not getting the best food, uh, going through the drive through anywhere. So, so I, I don't like doing that. I would just much prefer to not have to eat. So, um, but I have to do it to stay alive and, and, Anyways, I mean, the, the food thing, like we can we can compromise on that one. I just feel like we should be able to come to an agreement here that that going to the bathroom is a huge waste of time. And if we could find a way to circumvent that, man, we would buy back so many hours out of every single day. Uh, it, it, certainly in our life that that 24 hours, I guarantee you, you're going to spend more than 24 hours peeing over the course of the rest of your life. And I, I, 
I also think it would be way more sanitary too. I mean, think about the germs that are in the bathroom and everything, and you're going in and out of there. How many times, you know, like in a lifetime, you could just get it all out of the way once and, and you don't really ever have to have to worry about that again. I mean, maybe occasionally, you know, there's some, some different things you might have to go in the bathroom to do, but um, for the most part, I think that really cuts it down to the point where, I mean, you, you'd be healthier as well. All right. All right. All right. So let me ask you a question to get this done. Will you throw in a second? I should have known a trade addict was going to make this all about trades. <laughs> you know, I, I just, I just knew it, man. I just knew it. I'm so are you throwing in the second or no? Uh, no, no, I'm not throwing in a second. You're getting a great deal here. All right, You're fine. Getting, a, third, I, a third. Thirds get deals done. Give me the third and we'll call it a day. A 2021 third. No, 2020. I'm not doing it. I man. don't even know. This league might fold. I, you're getting the deal <laughs> of a lifetime here, man. The deal of a lifetime. And you're going to pass it up over a third. I don't think so. I'm going to hold steady. God. Well, I have to move on to John. John, how about a third? Uh, Let's get I, it done. Say it again. Let's get a third. Uh, you get you give a third and, and I'll agree. <laughs> to, to get on board with the 24-hour piss downhill train. I mean, here's the thing. I don't actually care if you're on board or not. I mean, <laughs> this is <laughs> this is also optional. Just and just like so the food thing. This is this so, is all. The, just so the just so the listeners know, this is how these two guys work me in trades too. <laughs> this is exactly the conversations we have. It's never. It's, it's a never, want, not a need. Uh, I'll tell you what. <laughs> it's, it's it is what a I deal want. with. Yeah, it is a want, not a need. I want you to experience this, but I don't. I don't need that. I don't. You can you can do what you want. Um, I just I just know that if I had the option, I would just I I would just get it all done all at once. I would you know take the day off of work. I would I would tell everybody that I'm that I'm off the grid, and I would find a nice tall hill. Uh, with a nice soft grassy top leave my pants in the car and just go <laughs> lay lay on my side and let it go yeah yeah man yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah said, man said that very wistfully like that's that's, that's the dream right there yeah. wipes yeah. away a tear <laughs> yeah, if only how i felt i felt moved <laughs> By that speech a little bit. Like, yeah, man. Yeah. I'm yeah. on board with that. That's that's the America I want to live in right there. <laughs> yeah, that's the word. Getting down hills. <laughs> I'll give you uh, yeah, I'll give you a third for that, Brian. That's all fine. right. I, I don't care about thirds anyways. I don't know those these guys well enough by then. So deal. So yeah. See, just, and this is this is how these guys work trades up with me. <laughs> I, I decline the third, and then John gives it to him, and Brian's like, "Ha I got a third anyway." <laughs> and he just kind of kind of rubs it in my nose nonchalantly. So this is how that works too. So <laughs> hopefully, I'll be slotted right in front of James in the rookie draft too, and be able to take, take the guy he wants. Yep, take take the brown that uh, that I want. Yep. <laughs> 
Oh man. All right. Yeah. All right. I think, I think we've talked enough here and for the day, but this, this <laughs> conversation is not over gentlemen. But yeah, you guys, are you guys good with the rest of my stuff there? No more HGTV. No more slip lap. Ship Dude, lap, H, H, ship lap. H, T, H, stupid. HGTV is like a compromise in our house. Do you get to watch porn? No. Then <laughs> uh, no. then, then you're losing that trade. Um you're you're not getting full value. Well, it beats garbage like yes to the dress and pageant crap. My wife really doesn't I don't like agree, that man. Stuff, like, oh I, man, what? I don't agree with okay, that. We need to take this off air because this is about to get serious here. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is. Because the, the yes to the dress doesn't obligate you to anything. You don't actually have to go make a dress or buy a dress even. You do have to do that ship lap. You're the one on the hook for that. So, <laughs> and it's not, it's not turn off the camera and bring in 12 contractors. It's you doing it. Uh, so yeah, I, I don't, I, I'm not a fan of HGTV. Well, I say, I don't say yes to the dress, but I say yes to Boston Scott. Cause I'm going to be buying him everywhere. So Boston. I agree with that. So one last football thing with that too, with Boston Scott, I think, um, that reminds me a lot of like the Shady McCoy and Darren Sproles in Philly type thing. Like I think he I think Scott's gonna get like he's gonna be real good in the screen game. He's gonna be good maybe on special teams, those types of things, but still have enough value that he's able to you know, that he's worth he's worth doing what you guys are doing right now is you know, go getting as many shares as you can while he's cheap. Mm-hmm. Any running back that has two first names, buy them. Derrick Henry, boom. You should have bought him. Boston Scott, I'm telling you, if they have two first names, go buy them. Yeah, definitely love Boston Scott. Um, and and just the way those two guys performed at the end of the season, I, that's all you need to know. But, um, yeah, that's uh, we, we went way, way, way over time. And, uh, so if you're, if you're not finished peeing, definitely go back and check out, uh, episode 118, where we did the first half of this super six. Um, but in the meantime, we're going to wrap this up for the week. And as we do, I'm going to ask you for a quick favor. If you haven't already subscribe to the podcast, wherever you listen to podcasts. And then you can also subscribe to the DLF family, a podcast mega feed. And that gets you access to all of the great podcasts from DLF, including the super show and including the Trade Addicts podcast uh, where you can so you can hear twice the Brian Har every single week. And once you're subscribed to the Superflex Super Show, if you give us a rating and review, not all podcatchers give you that option, but on the ones that do those ratings and reviews, they help us to expand our reach. We can get out to a larger audience, involve more people in the conversation. And from there, we can just really zero in on the topics that are the most useful to you, the listener. And in the vein of listener interaction, I, I, I got a little bit tripped up by the part about the topics that are the most useful to you, the listener, uh, after we just got done talking about the hypothetical of laying on top of a hill and peeing down it for 24 straight hours. I don't, I, I, I recognize that that's not super helpful to any of you, but hopefully there was more useful information in this episode for you. In the vein of listener interaction, send us your trades on Twitter at Superflex Show. You can also send them to any one of us individually. 
James is at underscore James the Brain. Brian's at Brian RFF, and I'm at Superflex Dude. We can retweet them for you, help you help you get more votes and comments, and sometimes even bring them here on the podcast and analyze them. Thank you to Heart and Soul Radio for the song Me Addiction that we use as our intro and outro music. And above all else, thank you to each and every one of you for listening. Until next week, stay sexy and super flexy. Yeah, 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 yeah.